The Houston Rockets were shorthanded on the court and off the court in this game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thankfully, everything is okay with head coach Steven Silas. The Rockets did ultimately get blown out, though. We're going to break down this blowout and how impressive Alperin Shingoon looked. And here to do that with me is none other than Roosh Williams himself. The Mastodon is in effect, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get it. We're going to break down all of the angles from this Rockets-Cavs game coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. Williams. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, the best and only daily podcast covering your Houston Rockets. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. The show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for these subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on the ones that you want to keep. Go check out our friends over at Truebill. Now, joining me as he does each and every week to break down this Rockets loss against the Cavaliers, but the silver linings that we saw out of the young guys is none other than the host of Rockets with Roosh on YouTube, as well as the Noble and Roosh show, where you can find any and all of your podcasts, wherever you find this podcast, search Noble and Roosh show, none other than Roosh Williams himself. What's up, Roosh? How you doing? What's the deal, man? Thanks for having me. I am your weekly Thursday co-host. Also want to say um, on Saturday for the Rockets Pistons game at 11 a.m., go to Big City Wings. I think it's in Edo. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Somewhere downtown. It's Edo. Yeah, it's Edo. Edo. Our double. Um, E double <laughs> big, city wings, big city wings in Edo, uh, Rockets watch party 11 a.m. on Saturday. I'm going to be there. Ben Dubose will be there. Rocket girl, the good brothers, Taylor Pate and Don knock will be there. Jackson. I think you might be there as well. I would eyes emoji may uh, be there. May uh, not, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be there. Okay. And we're giving away 10 pairs, 10 fucking 10 pairs of free tickets to the Rockets heat game on New Year's Eve in the lower bowl. So I'll be there, man. It's going to be fun. Some Clutch City lager on deck. You did. <laughs> it's going to be a great game. Uh, that's for sure. Turn out, hang out, come have fun. We're going to kick it. It's going to be a great time. Uh, hang but- out, turn out, burn out, get your worm out. What it is. Let's go. All right, we're gonna let we're just gonna let Roosh ad lib for a full 30 minute episode. How's that? It sounds like fun. Um, sounds like fun, actually. Yes. All right, so Rockets losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers 124-89. Unfortunately, and John Lucas said as much in post-game availability, and we'll explain why John Lucas did post-game availability here in just a moment, but this game was basically over halfway through the second quarter. I mean, the Rockets are missing, you know, four of their would-be five starters in Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Eric Gordon, and Christian Wood. Christian Wood missing due to some knee tendonitis. Eric Gordon uh, basically sitting out because he was going to sit out one of these two games on the back-to-back with the Rockets playing uh, Thursday night at home against the New York Knicks. So Eric Gordon should be available for that game. 
I mean, this is what you almost amount to as a schedule loss. Now, the reason I say that John Lucas said that this was a loss basically from the second quarter on is because it was. I mean, it was basically a 30-point blowout midway through the second quarter, and it never changed uh, by much, unfortunately. It became a 40-point blowout, and then it became another 30-point blowout later on. Steven Silas left the sidelines of this game tail end of the first quarter, and it was really kind of a bizarre situation where nobody knew what had happened. He kind of just randomly disappeared off the sidelines. Everybody was, you know, freaking out. We saw a clip of him on the broadcast of him leaving and, and you know, kind of gesturing at Coach Lucas like, hey, you're in charge. I'm out. And everybody was speculating what was happening. Thankfully, we found out a little bit later on from the Rockets broadcast that it was – Stylus was dealing with some like dehydration apparently and was back in the locker room getting taken care of. Didn't return for the rest of the game. We did get an update from John Lucas post game that Silas is okay, uh, that he is, you know, better, and that he and then later on Mark Berman confirmed that he's traveling back with the the team to Houston. So all the best wishes to Steven Silas. I'm glad it's not anything more major than that. Uh, a lot of people were speculating it might have been something COVID related, that he might have gotten like a positive COVID test back and been booted off the sideline, uh, you know, at which I was thinking like, there's no way it could have been that. Like, I mean, so last maybe, minute. Maybe I mean, it was, was from some, bizarre, um, right? I was going to say, maybe it was from some food poisoning from some fine dining in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Um, who knows? Oh, you know, I have a follower that has legit, has previously previously tweeted at me saying, that his wife says, his wife tells him that <laughs> Steven Silas looks dehydrated. And he reminded me of that today. And I was like, wow, it looks like your wife was correct. So I don't know. I don't know what that <laughs> was. Could have been. So I, I thought for sure, maybe something COVID related, tested positive or something. Thought it was really peculiar. Glad he's okay though. I think coming out of this though. Yeah. Glad Steven Silas is okay. I think the story of this game is very clearly Alperin Shingun, which how many more times are we going to have to say this where we come away from a game, be it a win or a loss, Alperin Shingun seems to find his way, you know, in as a storyline, whether he's the headliner like he is in this game or whether he is a supporting actor, you know, off the bench, which the Rockets bench has been incredible as of late, which is a great, you know, great sign for the future. So many, so much of the young talent for the Houston Rockets really showcasing what they can do at the NBA level with, you know, how thin the rotation has gotten over these last few games with so many guys being out. Uh, Steven Silas having to turn, I guess, John Lucas in this case, having to turn to many of the younger players on the roster. Usman Garuba getting some run in this game was kind of cool to see. But Alperin Shingun putting up career highs, 19 points, 11 rebounds, both brand new career highs for him. Very close to his first 20 and 10 game of his career. But it's it continues to just be this ongoing thing where when you put Shingun in the game and you put the right lineup around him, I have to say the right lineup because there were mo there were moments in this game where they put non-shooters around him and it definitely didn't look as good in the first half as it did in the second half when they finally put a correct lineup around him. You put guys around Alper and Shingun, he finds a way to run the offense. He is a central offensive hub and he continues to impress on a nightly basis. Yeah. Um, no, I disagree. I don't think you need the right lineup around him. He had nine points in nine minutes in the first half. Looked awesome. Um, you just need guys that are willing to cut. Yeah. If you have shooters, it, it's better. Everything works better if you have shooters. Um, but you just need guys that are willing to cut. You can play a David Nwaba with Shingun because he'll cut. And if he can just catch that ball and finish or even bring a defender with him and then scramble the defense, you know, good to go. But look, my timeline became homogenous. It was just Alperin Shingun tweets. And for good reason. I mean, he had a career high 19, career high uh 11 rebounds so that's pretty awesome five assists like it's like his per 36 numbers that we always you know people say oh you can't use per 36 
And I actually agree with that for most players, but for him, his per 36 numbers came alive. You know, his per 36 numbers are like something like 17, eight and five or something. Gave us 19, 11 and five with this, with two steals and a block in, um, you know, 28, 27 minutes, seven of 14 from the field. One of those was a half court heave at the end of the third quarter. So legitimately was seven of 13. Um, I don't know why he's not playing more, but man, he's been incredible. You know, he is, I think he's by far one of the best five offensive players. I think he's one of the five best offensive players on the team. Um, Christian Wood, Alpie, Gordon, maybe KPJ. Can you make the case for top three? Yeah, I think you could. Going off the top of my head here, but I think you could, unless unless Jalen Green picks it up. But I know, I think, I mean, it's Wood, Gordon, and Alperin Shangoon, you know? So I think that, you know, they brought him in. The Rockets were down, I think, 24-10 when he checked in, and the game was already pretty much over. When you get down to a good team, by the way, credit to the Cavs. They're a good team. We can talk about that later. But, uh, you know, when you don't have Eric Gordon, you don't have Christian Wood, you cannot bring Alperin Shangoon into the game with three minutes left in the first quarter when you're already getting beaten down. You know, the Rockets, the shooting evened out five of 29 from three, um, you know, and they only scored 89 points. So you need to generate offense from somewhere. And I thought Alperin Shangun, I mean, he looked like, you know, all the DeMontis Sabonis and Jokic comparisons were very, very real tonight. It just looked easy. And people always say, oh, he does it against the bench. So it's inflated or, you know, he fouls too much or he's not in shape yet. Well, look, as far as fouling too much, he had one foul in 27 minutes tonight. And he's an he's a high IQ basketball player, and high IQ basketball players figure out that aspect of the game extremely fast. So I don't worry about the fouls at all. Um, you could even argue that he goes hard and fouls because he knows he's not going to play that much. Uh, conditioning, I mean, he played like 28, 20, 28, 29 minutes per game, I think, when he was in Turkey. Played 27, 28 minutes tonight. If you're worried about his conditioning and you're losing by 40, man, that's the game to play him. Play him into shape, you know. And, and I thought they eventually they did it right, but I think it took them a while. And I think if you had started Shangun, maybe, you know, the game stays closer for a little bit longer. He did come out with like five or six minutes left in the fourth because he looked gassed. I think he played like 10 straight minutes or something. Uh, and then they brought him back in a couple minutes later. So that will happen. But I think that's pretty normal. And then for the people saying he's not doing it against starters, man, we've seen him do it against Vucevic. We've seen him do it against Jonas Valanciunas, Giannis Antetokounmpo. We've seen him do it against uh, Jared Allen tonight. I mean, it doesn't matter. Whoever you throw at him, you know, he can go at him. Um, so I think he's the real deal. I don't know why John Lucas is John Lucas's comments are concerning because it does give you insight. We haven't we haven't quite gotten to, gotten to John Lucas's comments, though. I want to play back that video. Yeah, um, but I want to play it in our very next segment, though. Okay. But if you have a final point you want to make, not to do with John Lucas's comments, because I don't save that for the next segment. I mean, just play the kid. Taylor, I think Taylor Pate tweeted this. We say pay the man for Carlos Correa. Play the man for Alperin Shingoon. Like we said, one of the best three offensive players on the team. And, you know, you saw tonight, like, I guess in wrapping, I'll say if they're, it seems like what they want to do is bring him along slowly for whatever reason they think is, is the reason to do that reason, reason, reason I said like five times, but you know, I'll make next segment. I'll make the full point. It's a long point. Next <laughs> All right. Full, full point coming up next segment. We're going to continue talking about Alperin Shingun, how the coaching staff views him, our views on him and, uh, you know, continuing the breakdown of this game. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at prize picks. You've been hearing me tell you about prize picks for months. Have you signed up yet? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you have not checked it out, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you're going to love this app for NBA and mixed spots. Pickums Christmas day games are going to be off the charts and even more fun. If you play prize picks, prize picks has the best 
NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every game. It's so easy to do. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected number. So go to prizepicks.com today and use promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app. And again, that's promo code MBA. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day. Continuing on here with none other than Roosh Williams. I am Jackson Gatlin. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. You can follow Roosh Williams at Roosh Williams. On the Mastodon is in effect. God, that tagline. All right. We're going to get to John Lucas's post. Hey, the Mastodon is in effect, and I will get at you next. So come on, let's go. Oh my lord. All right, here are John Lucas's post-game comments and we're going to share some thoughts about that as well as continuing on breaking down this game for the Cavaliers. Here's John Lucas. He's been really working on this game and um you know coaches allowing him to post a little bit and we're playing and his passing to try to take advantage of some of that. Uh he's still a long ways to go. A lot of work in progress especially defensively, but he's getting better and better. I thought tonight he had what 11 11 rebounds, uh, 19 points, and um, I thought he did a good job trying to save some of his energy. Uh, just have to continue to play through him and have him move the ball. So John Lucas talking about Alperin Shingun's performance as well as just his development, you know, kind of across the board. And I think this quote can, you know, is potentially a little bit telling as to how the coaching staff view him, uh, you know, doesn't exactly inspire a whole ton of confidence if they still think he's got you know quote unquote a long ways to go uh especially on the defensive end now Ali Kambajani and I just broke down you know some of uh Alperin Shingun's defensive stats on our previous episode and while Shingun's not like you know a masterful defender he he works hard he hustles he tries on that end he's a high IQ basketball player but yeah I, I don't you know, it's kind of mind boggling to think that, you know, these comments from John Lucas and by extension, the rest of the coaching staff, they may view Shingun as not quite where, you know, the fans view him or even media because it's been you know kind of a head scratcher as to why he hasn't been able to carve out more rotation minutes than he has up to this point. Yeah, so I will say this. Um, I don't see what they see and they see more of Albert Shingun than I do. So I, you know, I have to assume that they know something I don't, or they see something I don't on the flip side of that. I, this, I think this could very easily be one of those cases where you're seeing something in practice and you're trying to take the traditional, you know, slow kind of growth approach. And you're just dealing with a guy that's ready. You know, he's ready ahead of his time and you just need to unleash him and not try to bottle him up. A la Manu Ginobili. You know, I think that's one of the things Greg Popovich did. Ginobili was this kind of player, right? Like showed crazy flashes, crazy IQ, kind of reckless at times, turned the ball over at times. And Pop has, has been famous for saying like he just had to learn how to let him go and just kind of live with, with the bad because the good's, the good's going to outweigh it. So the point I was going to make before we got into this segment was that in baseball, you know, in baseball, sometimes when you have like a, a prospect and, and this is different, so it's kind of a loose comparison, but when you have a strong prospect, they, they slow play it, right? They don't bring them right up. And they're very delicate and careful about how many reps they get that player for, for a number of reasons, right? They don't want to bring them up too early because you can ruin someone's career in baseball if you bring them up too early. Um, and you can also ruin a kid's confidence, you know? So from that, I think they're taking that type of approach or perspective 
obviously baseball has contractual reasons why they do that too, but that's not the point. Um, so I think that's what they're doing with Shangun, but they just need to unleash him, man. He's ready. You know, um, he's like I said, he's done it against the best of the best. I don't, I don't really know what else you're looking for. Even in advanced metrics, he's up there with Evan Mobley, very close to Evan Mobley in terms of his defensive impact. So I don't think that's an issue. Sometimes he gets mixed up in space. Sometimes he fouls, but he figures those things out very quickly. And he's also very good at recovering defensively and, and blocking shots and altering shots. Um, but his offensive skill is straight up special. You know, we basically have DeMontis Sabonis already, you know. Um, so I don't know. I think bottling that up is a mistake. Uh, no disrespect to Daniel Tice, but you just kind of see how milk toast his offensive presence is. Like he's not a bad player. You know, he, he can be he's serviceable. Uh, if he's your starter, you're probably not very good unless you have a bunch of shooters and, and high end talent to kind of, you know, outweigh that, which the Rockets really don't have that. Sometimes we have shooting. But we don't have the high-end talent like a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown where you can just kind of shore up Tice's weaknesses. But on offense, I mean, you see, if you play him with another guy that can't shoot, like Jay Sean Tate, we see what happens. Guys literally don't guard him. They leave, they're six feet off him, and they just let him shoot. And um, it's an offense killer, unfortunately. So, And I'm not saying trade Daniel Tice. There's a whole different question with trading Wood or Daniel Tice, whatever. But the point is there's two centers, and when one of those centers is Christian Wood and he's out of the game for the night, Alperin Shangun your best center. So start him or play him more minutes uh, and start giving him the respect that, that I think he deserves and play him into shape, you know? if you And even if you think there are concerns where his game is contributing to losing, cool. We're not, you know, winning is not the goal necessarily, so. You know, I, I didn't even have, like, coming into this game, I didn't even have an issue with Ty starting, like, legitimately. It was one of those where, okay, Eric Gordon's out, so you're starting DJ Augustine because you need, like a, like, a competent primary ball handler. So to me, if they had opted to also start Alper and Shingun alongside DJ Augustine that like, who's your playmaker off the bench, man? Like they, you know, the Rockets could have gone for, maybe they start the game off a little bit better. You know, if you've got DJ and LP in the starting lineup and things look a little bit smoother out there, but then, you know, what are you doing then you're bringing Josh Christopher in off the bench to be the primary ball handler, which Josh has been, has shown some flashes, but he doesn't have the consistency factor there quite just yet. And he also had four turnovers in this game you know, I, I wouldn't feel confident in that regard. And then you're also bringing Tyson off the bench or Garuba, you know, as Look, far as like their offensive presence. I, so. I think Josh Chris played well. He had four turnovers. Yes. But um, 17 points on 11 shots struggled from the free throw line. If he makes a couple more free throws, he sets a career high him and Shingun were the only guys that were creating like actually creating offense. Um, yeah. He made some boneheaded plays. Yeah. There were times where KJ Martin and Josh Chris went ISO or, totally ignored LP on the wing and didn't even get him a touch and kind of wasted a few possessions that happened. I, I didn't like it, but the counter to what you're saying is who comes off the bench and scores? Well, does that matter when you're down 14, as soon as LP steps on the court and does yeah, that matter? Does that matter I, I, when you're down it. 20 after one, you know, like, like play to win. If you're, that if was, you're that was to win, then play to win. If not that, and that was the frustrating thing for me is it was like, okay, like they, they obviously made like a schematic, like a, a, you know, a tactical decision to start DJ and, you know, for whatever reason, they're still running Tice. They only had 10 available bodies. You're going to try and get some burn out of everybody when you've only got 10 available guys. So 
the the frustrating aspect for me was in the second half when they were clearly down 30 and the game was clearly out of reach and it was game over by that point. Like, why is Daniel Tice still getting burned at that point? That was the frustrating part where it's like, okay. And he played, you know, what, four or five minutes at the top of the second half and then didn't see the, re- you know, any action the rest of the game. They went with Shingun for like, you know, 10 straight minutes. He gets subbed out, you know, and then they, they bring him back for the tail end of the game. So it worked. Like, I mean, they finally like moved away from it in the second half, but it just felt like it took too long to get to that point, I guess, is where I was a little bit frustrated. But Well, Shangun got 18 out of 24 of the minutes in the second half and only nine in the first half. Tice, I mean, we've seen it. When you start Tice, the offense is just flat. We talk about Shangun playing against you know bench units. Um, I think we should talk a little bit more about if Daniel Tice is going to play, he should play against the bench units. He's a bench player. You know, he's kind of made his name being a bench bench player. Um, you know, he could match up against like an Ed Davis for sure. And that's why I don't think like, oh, you trade Daniel Tice, he's awful. No, he can he can handle those matchups, but I don't want him against Jared Allen. You know, he's not giving me anything against Jared Allen. Um, and just from a from a principle, like from from a philosophical perspective, he just shrinks the floor, unfortunately, you know. And he's no I don't think he's any better on defense than Alperin Shangun. He's just as slow, maybe a little bit faster, but the effect is still the same. Shangun's a better shot blocker. Shangun has better timing and gets up more than Daniel Tice. Um, and I don't think there's any evidence that he's a better rebounder either. You know, he's like a four career, like four or five rebound per game kind of guy. So I think he should run against bench units. I think the other stuff's overblown. Also, real quick, you mentioned the Rockets bench, uh, 62 points against the Hawks, 64 points tonight. Obviously, they got thumped, so that's kind of like skewed, but uh, pretty impressive nonetheless. Um, yeah, but when the start when the starters come up that ridiculously empty, uh, it it also makes the bench unit look that much better when they're actually out there uh, putting it, you know, putting the ball in the still, bucket because the, the starters, starters scored twenty five points combined. Shingun had nineteen. So and and yeah. of those twenty five from the starters, Jay Sean Tate was twelve of them. I mean, yeah, uh, it, wow, the it, others had all, all had five or under. That's that's pathetic. You know what? Yeah. That's actually a really good direction that we should uh, take this. Is I I do want to get in a couple more points here about because we we've we've hit. Alper and Shingun, and you know he he was easily the highlight of this game. Uh, can't say enough good things about what you know the direction that his game is going, and, and I think he continues to ins- establish himself as he's going to be like a cornerstone of this Rockets rebuild. You know, I think that he continues to show. Yeah, he may have, may very well be the steal of the draft at 16 overall. A credit to Rafael Stone and what he's done in, in a very short turnaround with this Rockets rebuild. But I want to talk a little bit about Josh Christopher continuing on him, KJ Martin's game, and. Should we be concerned about Garrison, Garrison Matthews? Matthews. We're gonna uh, talk we'll about talk about that. that. And let's also give a shout out to David Nuaba. We're also going to give a shout out to David Nuaba. We'll highlight him coming up in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your hard-earned money anymore. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or Simply forgot about it. I know this happened to me before, right? On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, one click, one button, one press. It is that easy. Don't fall for any more subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen of the day each and every day. Now, let's, you know, I, I threw out the four turnovers for Josh Christopher and you not quite a rebuttal, but you wanted to highlight, you know, his his overall game. I will say that his driving ability is there. Like it's there and he's capable and it's because he already has such an NBA ready body. Like he's able to bounce guys off of him and be physical with guys in a way that like KPJ still can't, that Jalen Green can't and probably won't be able to for a while until he starts to add some more like upper body strength to his frame. But Josh just bullies past guys. Like even if he doesn't necessarily beat them with like the explosive first step, he gets past bigger defenders and just you know, is able to power through them to get up to the rim. And we've seen that whenever he's gotten any any extended run, it feels like he's got at least like one or two drives a game where he gets his shoulders past the defender and it's just game over. It's kind of the way that like EG drives where EG will get past the defender and then uses his body to shield them off as he's finishing at the rim. So I did want to point that out for Josh Christopher. And then I have a couple points on, on KJ Martin's game that I want to get to, but real quick about Josh Chris, I'll say it's a little different. EG, does like the stereotypical like shoulder bump. Josh Chris just kind of muscles past. He doesn't like do like the gather and the bump to, you know, drop someone off him and get that space. He's just naturally, and they're both naturally strong, but his, he knows how to use his frame as he's driving, not after like a gather and, and dip. Um, best thing about Josh Chris, man, is that his primary strength when he was drafted was getting downhill. And that has translated quicker than I thought it would. It's translated right over to the NBA. So once he starts getting the other stuff together, you know, still game was a little bit on defense, shots inconsistent, but it's been better than I expected, to be honest. Um, you know, I mean, I think he's going to be a good player. We talk a lot about, you know, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green. Who knows how that pick is going to turn out? But at the end of the day, Jalen Green was high-end talent and a consensus top three pick, top four pick at the very least. Um, but I think Stone deserves a lot of credit for moving up and, and spotting and getting Shangun. And then Josh Chris is also you know, turning into something special. Absolutely. Um, and then the other, you know, the first of the, the first draft pick ever for Ravel Stone, uh, KJ Martin. I, I think he that actually, he actually was not drafted by someone. I thought the same thing. And then someone told me to go look at his basketball reference. I think the Kings drafted him and traded him to us. No, but, but the Rockets bought the pick from the Kings. So the Rockets made the pick like, like okay, that's, okay. but that's, that, that's how they yeah, that's how it's always pick. reported is it's going to show up like so-and-so. Like, like Alper and Shingun was technically drafted by the OKC Thunder, if you look at his, like, basketball reference page. That's what it says? Should. It, I, I guarantee you if I go look at Shingun's, like, B reference page. Do, do it real quick because I know we bought that pick, and I had touted KJ as one of Stone's picks. And then I looked at basketball reference, and I was like, yeah. well, wait. No, Alper and Shingun says draft Oklahoma City Thunder first round 16th pick overall. So whoever, like the team that makes the pick, it's because the transactions don't actually like occur until like uh, after the fact. Or so, it's okay. some kind of weird CBA stuff in there, but it's it's always the Rockets making the call. So no, you're good. Stone made the, the KJ Martin pick. Okay. All right. Well then back, back to the point at hand about KJ Martin. Um, you, I think you during the game had commented on, you know, KJ's like driving in and, and, I'll admit in this game, it looked a little sloppy at times because it wasn't as effective as I feel like he can be sometimes on the drive. His, his handle is not there yet. Like it's just left hand might be worse than mine on the drive. (laughs) I mean, when I see him dribble, I'm like, yo, it's crazy that he can be this good sometimes at the NBA level because he, he can't really dribble, but 
you can see how valuable his athleticism is. He's that athletic. It, it, it is. And I think that's my, my standout thing is when, when he gets the ball, like in the corner or in the slot and he's able to attack like off of a closeout and he's not like dribbling around the perimeter in like a roundabout fashion. But if he's just able to take like the one or two steps straight to the rim, like it's almost like at that point, he's just taking like two like power dribbles, like two gather dribbles. And then he's like elevating like, you know, eight feet away from the rim. And he's like laying the ball in or doing that little, you know, baby hook, whatever he's got. And he elevates so high that he's almost at times just dropping the basketball into the hoop rather than actually like, you know, finishing or having to lay it in or whatever. So I just wanted to point that out because his handle is not quite where we'd like to see it you know, at, at this point, but he's such an adept finisher as he gets close to the rim that it's just about him finding those opportunities within the offense. Once the defense is already scattered to, to pick and choose his points of attack. And I, I think that overall the Rockets offense looked a mess in this game, except for that stretch in the fourth quarter where they cut, what was it like a 45 point lead down to a 31 point lead went on like a 14 0 run or something uh, that stretch, they actually looked productive and things were going really well for them, but the rest of the game was kind of a nightmare. So, well, yeah, I mean, he's so strong and he's so bouncy and athletic that once he gets down there, I mean, he's just a young bull dude. He's hard to stop uh, his, you know, Ryan Hollins has said this, his second jump is elite, his ability to kind of go get rebounds and, come down with them and then go back up and finish with a dunk. Pretty, pretty elite, pretty, pretty elite. Um, he's got very, very deceivingly amazing touch around the basket. He finishes with those little baby hooks, you know, pretty reliably. Um, if he can just get his three-point shot back to where it was last <laughs> season, I mean, he's a perfect 3 and D kind of guy. And if he's ever able to, to develop like a real, you know, handle off the dribble or a couple moves, then who knows what he could become. Um, but I mean, he's still only 20 or 21 and, just crazy athletic. There were some plays, like I said, with him, both him and Josh Chris, like when Alperin Shangoon's on the court, you got to get him the ball every single time because yeah. he just creates offense. He posts up, you know, and he either takes his guy one-on-one -on -one or he sits on that elbow and waits and you just move and he'll find you. But when you don't utilize that, there were a couple plays where KJ and Josh did not utilize that. They just went ISO and I going ISO is not KJ's game. Josh can do it sometimes, not KJ's game. Um, and they just kind of wasted Shangoon possessions. And we know most of the time he's not going to play that much. So it sucks when you get wasted Shangoon possessions with guys on the court that are not as offensively talented as him. Um, but yeah. I had that point. I had that point earlier where I, where I had mentioned, you know, playing like the wrong lineups with Shingoon. And my point on that was, was less. So it, it's just, it didn't feel like they staggered the shooters and not necessarily that you have to have all shooters on the floor with Shingoon. Cause I do agree. Like you just need guys out there who are going to cut at the right time, because if, you know, you've got Shingun on the low block and you cut at the right time. He's going to find you, you know, for an easy two at the rim. But it, it felt like the Rockets were pulling like Armani and Garrison were like off the floor. And then they had like Nwaba and KJ and like a bunch of non-shooters out there with Shingun. And that kind of collapsed the paint a little bit, but even less so. Like you said, it's just he wasn't getting the right touches because even with that lineup out there with some strong cutters like KJ, like Nwaba, they should have been able to get some easy buckets. Shingun just wasn't getting the ball where he needs it. And then not only that, the dribble handoff sets that they like to run with Shingun on the perimeter don't work when you have multiple non-shooters on the floor because then you have no threat of the dribble handoff shots that we've seen from Armani or from Garrison or what's made the Rockets offense so potent as of late. So, Well, that's why they shouldn't run the, the, the dribble handoffs with that lineup. But like you yeah. said, I mean, KJ and Nwaba and, and Josh Chris, they were just playing low IQ ball. They were kind of like wanting to get theirs. You just give him the ball and you cut, he's going to find you. And, and defenders are going to be forced to help over or they're going to, for a split second, make a mistake, forget about their guy whatever, just give you that little room, that little amount of breathing room you need 
to catch and finish. Um, should we be, should be should we be worried about Garrison Matthews? I wanted to answer that. Um, I one second. That's what happens when you have a beard. Um, I. <laughs> That's life, baby. You gotta love hey, it. I've got, I've, I've, my, I'm sorry, my beard's not as luxurious as yours. Let me, maybe I should grow it out. Like I started growing it out for for no shave November, and about halfway through the month, I was like, I can't do this. This is a mess, and I just shaved it all down. Yeah, I mean, do do whatever you think is appropriate. Um, <laughs> you know, if you can get this type of uh, robust thickness on the uh, on the on the beard, then you know, be my guest. But it's tough. It's it's natural. I guarantee you, Chris White at Firebear on Twitter is going to have a comment for the thickness of the beard comment. He's a shout out. Hey, Chris it, listens it's, to this podcast. It's like a tradition to keep it thick. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the hairs on my, on my chinny chin chin are quite, you know, thick. but anyway, so, uh, should we, should we be worried about Garrison Matthews? I'm not, I think some of his misses or fouls that don't get called that he was getting during the streak. So that's one thing to remember. Uh, and then he's a shooter, man. Shooters, shooters conscience. You know, I had a coach used to tell me like, we don't shooters don't think about the last shot. You know, if you think about the last shot, you're already in your own head. You just let it fly because you know you can make it. And he's one of those guys. He might miss the next 10 and then he'll come back and make five in a row. You know, I, I'm not worried about him. And um, and also, you know, the lineup's been been inconsistent and hurt. You know, like a, a guy like Garrison Matthews needs players like Christian Wood, players like Alperin Shingoon, players like Eric Gordon that can put pressure on the defense because when they're able to do that, then he's able to run around, sneak around get that little sliver, get that little opening and really impact the game. Um, so I'm not worried shout, about shout him. Out to, shout out to Isaac Okoro too, though, who who played, I think, some really phenomenal defense. Uh, you did mention, you know, a couple of them, you know, could have been some fouls here and there. But at the same time, even without the, the shots that were attempted that may or may not have been fouls, Okoro did a great job of just hugging Garrison Matthews, right? Making life hell for him, really sticking to him off of those screens, off those little curls, pin downs that he would normally get where he gets some wide open looks or has been getting some wide open looks. Okoro was right there with him, like chasing him nonstop throughout this game and may, really just making life difficult for him. So, and I will say for Okoro, I hate, I, I go ahead. I was just going to say, I know Cavs fans are down on Okoro, on Okoro. Uh, so it's only fitting that he went off against us. But by the way, man, Cleveland is good. I mean, Darius Garland is good. Ricky Rubio, you see the impact he's making. Kevin Love's playing pretty well off the bench. Jared Allen's playing well. Um, all their role players, Jetty Osman, like th that's a well-coached team. I did not like J.B. Bickerstaff when he was in Houston, but he's really seemed to come into his own, and he has them playing really good basketball. So you can see, like, you know, the Jalen Green, Evan Mobley stuff. Yeah, Evan Mobley is a luxury for them and makes them better and all that stuff. But even without him, dude, they're pretty freaking good. Um, so so they're good for Cleveland. They're a defensive monster. I mean, they Absolutely. don't allow anything easy. And they shot the 18 of 40 from three. I thought it was crazy when they started rolling out like the triple big lineup, like, you know, running like Evan Mobley is their small forward. They're running, they're running Kevin Love as the three in certain lineups. And it's working because they have like that backline presence to just clog everything at the rim to where they can afford to not necessarily. I mean, they're just running guys off the three point line, basically. They're kind of defending things a little bit like the, like the, I don't want to say not the Tim Duncan era Spurs. The Spurs of the last like couple of years, the Spurs that the Rockets ran up against in the playoffs with James Harden, right? Where the Spurs would run you off the three-point line, let their bigs drop all the way back to the basket and basically force you to take the open mid-range shot. And if you're not willing to take those shots, then you know, you're not going to get anything easy at the rim. So um, I also want to talk about David Nwaba uh against I, Atlanta. 
What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I, I have my hot take for David Nwaba that I want to squeeze in here. So sure, squeeze it in, buddy. Um, so I don't remember his numbers against Atlanta, but he was impactful. I think he led the team in plus minus when he came in. That's when that comeback happened. It was like the classic. Let me put my energy guy in here and see if he can shake it up, and he did. Um, he hit two threes against Atlanta, which was which doubled his season total up to that point. He hit no such threes tonight. He was 0 of 1, but tonight he had 11 points, five rebounds, five of nine from the field. He does some boneheaded shit sometimes, um, you know, overplays on defense, like like the classic plays too hard and then fouls you for no reason, you know, 18 feet from the basket, that kind of stuff. Um, also on offense, like when he gets it, he just kind of sometimes panics and just feels like he has to drive to the basket as hard as he can, even if he doesn't necessarily know how he's going to get there or what he's going to do when he gets there. So he's got those issues. He's not someone that I really think the Rockets should be playing. But in these situations where they've got injuries and he's getting 27 minutes a night, you know, I, I think he got like 17 or 20 minutes against Atlanta after getting no minutes for a stretch of games. Um, it's good to see him, you know, kind of come out and contribute and and show that he's a veteran that can still do and play what his role is. Um, and I'm just kind of happy to see him do well. He, he was a fan favorite last season. Uh, and then this season, he's kind of just been shafted to the back rightfully so but so it's it's you know it's nice to see him get his number called and to come and produce so David Nwaba should get any and all minutes that Daniel Tice is getting moving forward or would get moving forward that's my that's my take is that at, at this point I think that any perceived defensive benefit that Daniel Tice gives you by either A, running the double big lineup, or B, even being the solo big in there, unless it's a situation in which this game, you know, Christian Wood was MIA, so that's slightly different. But when everybody's there, everybody's healthy, Daniel Tice should be collecting DNPs like it's nobody's business. He doesn't really have any reason to be on the floor because he doesn't he doesn't play better he doesn't play noticeably better defense than Alper and Shingun. the Rockets have multiple bigs like I think that if there was ever a point where the Rockets needed an extra rotation body those minutes should just go to David Nwaba because he gives you an additional wing he gives you another switchable presence he gives you the transition game the one weakness in his game is the shooting and yeah, that's slightly frustrating, but it's also no different than the weakness in Daniel Tice's game, which is the shooting. So, and I think David Nwaba gives you another person who can attack off the bounce, who is a very competent defender. I, I'd argue it'd be more impactful to have that additional wing defender than to have Daniel Tice, who is, you know, quote unquote, a switchable big who can, you know, do all that. Just run Wood, Shingun, maybe even allow Garuba to get some minutes, actually. Um, and then if you're going to run some, you know, if you need some veteran minutes on the floor, let, let David Nwaba take them. Good things tend to happen when David Nwaba plays because he plays with that, like, you know, that lunch pail, like blue collar grind mentality. And he swing, he can swing the entire momentum of a game. We, how many times do we see David Nwaba do that just last season? And then this, finally he gets like a, a game where he gets some extended burn against the Atlanta Hawks and he completely turns the energy of the game in the favor of the Rockets and they come away with an upset win on the road. Well, your outcome with David Nwaba is typically binary. So it's either going to be that or he's just kind of disruptive to everything overall because he doesn't play within the flow of an offense. He can't shoot. So, you know, there's that issue as well. Kind of kills the offense. His game is transition. Transition and then there are, you know, it doesn't happen every game, but sometimes he cuts, he's making the hard cut or he makes a good closeout. But he also does some, like I said, he does some boneheaded shit sometimes. So I halfway agree with you. Um, I think you make some good points that I agree with. 
I don't really think Daniel Tice does anything necessarily better. Maybe just serve as a bigger body to kind of shade when, you know, a penetrating guard gets to the second level of the defense and he can just kind of use his size to shade and maybe alter a shot, secure a rebound, that kind of thing. But, but yeah, I mean, on offense, dude, Daniel Tice's best attribute is when he runs the pick and roll and hits like a little paint midi, which is probably my least favorite shot. Uh, <laughs> That, that we see, right? So I'm with you there, uh, but I do think Garuba, man, just like, like, like Garuba, I want to see Garuba's game. We got to see, we got to see him close out and make like a move on one, um, I think on one possession and then on another one he scored, but the shot clock had just expired. Yeah, he, he, drew, he drew a foul on the closeout. So like, I want to see Garuba's game, man. Uh, two, what? Three points, four boards, one assist, two steals, plus six, surprisingly. Uh, the only plus minus player on the team, Daniel Tyson, only 18 minutes was second worst with minus 24, whether that's a uh, correlation or causation or whatever. I don't know. You can figure it out. But um, but yeah, I mean, like I give it to Garuba, you know, I'd, li I'd like to see what Garuba's got to offer. He's been hurt, so there's still time to work him back. But like I said, you know, winning is not the goal. And in a game where you're down 40, dude, just let Garuba run it. You know, there's no point to let no point to letting Daniel Tice play. Um, but yeah, shout out to Nawaba. I think the Rockets are still. I think. I think once everybody's healthy, the Rockets are still going to push David Nwaba, or not David Nwaba, um Usman Garuba back to the G League to to keep getting reps down there, Probably. just because his offensive game just isn't quite there. Is 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 how they're viewing him? You know. You know. And, it doesn't look like it is because it's not pretty, but he's really smart as a role man. He's really smart at rolling and kicking it to the corner, much better than Tyson. We saw it in summer league. He he was very adept in summer league about passing from the middle of the floor, and that was what was so encouraging. Is right they, whenever they were running like the zone sets in summer league against the Rockets offense, you could put Garuba right in the middle of the floor, and he would make the read. Whether it's a quick power dribble to the to to collapse the defense towards the rim and then kicking it out, or just immediately kicking it to the open shooter, he's a smart player. Like that, that's that's no like no knock against him there. It's just his, his actual offensive game, like his ability to drive his shot. You know the. It, Whatever I don't think Daniel Tyson's shot of it from three much better, you know. Um, to be, but to be that, fair, at least the, the at least the form on Tyson's looks a little better. Garuba's form looks a little iffy. I'm gonna just put that out there. Garuba's, but. Form, is, Garuba's form is really ugly, but once they drop, dude, it just does not matter. Um, but he does it in the G League too. He rolls and kicks to the corners, like yeah, you, you know. But yeah, so you know, what can you say, man? They got thumped. Um, I mean, we're beating a dead horse with Shangun and Daniel Tice, but it's just crazy to see how the coaching staff continues to try to make it a thing in moments where it just has no business being a thing. We tried it out. We're paying him. Uh, unfortunately, we look like a significantly better basketball team when he does not play. I think we have a legitimate enough sample size to determine that that is not a fluke. It's not a coincidence. It's uh, very much, you know, there's a very much a reason for it. And Shengun's the future, man. Let the kid ball out. Let's see what we got. Let's see what, what it looks like when he is running the offense so that we can determine whether or not to extend Christian Wood or to trade Christian Wood. And, and if Alperen Shingun can actually be a starting center, you know, legitimately for a decent team by next season. So, like, let's get the ball rolling. You know, we're, we're what, 9 and 19. We're 28 games into the season. This is not game 5, 6, 7, 10, 9, 9 10, 11, 12. You know, we're, we're almost 30 games into the season. Like, let's get it rolling. Agree. Shingun is the future. And every single time that we get a chance to talk about him, it seems like that's what we wind up saying is he's going to be the future of this team. So why is he's he so exciting, Jackson? Right? I tune in to watch he him. <laughs> there, as, as you uh, so, so 
courteously illustrated on Twitter. There are fans that tune in from around the world to watch Alperin Shingun and Usman Garuba and yet put up with whatever it was that the Rockets were running in the first half, uh, not focusing on those guys. So credit to those fans. If you're watching this podcast, if you are from Turkey, if you're tuning in from Spain, wherever you're tuning into from around the world, if you care about this Rockets team and you're watching at the wee hours of the night, you know, two, three, four in the morning, I salute you. We salute you because that's that takes dedication, man. Those are some diehard Rockets fans, and I know you're listening to this podcast. Go read that tweet that I tweeted that, he's, that Jackson is referencing. Go read the responses to that. There are people that are literally tweeting at me saying it's four in the morning in Turkey. I want to see Alperin Shangun. And I'm just like, yo, that's crazy. You guys and are it's awesome. respectable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but look, I, we tune in to watch him because every night he does something new. Does, like tonight, he had a no look behind the back from the baseline for a dime. He had a, a, a no look to his right bounce pass to Josh Christopher that he threaded between two defenders. Perfect for a dunk. Like it's must watch television. You know, I mean, like we said, he's, he's probably the third best offensive player on the team right now. So that's what we're tuning in for, man. Give us, give, give Al P, give the people Al P. For the give Al the people. people, give give the people what they want. Give Al P for Al P for the people. Oh my God! All right. On that note, Roosh, let everybody know where they can track you down at. On Twitter, where you see in that little box beneath, or in the text beneath the box, it says Roosh Williams. Follow me on Twitter. Um, on YouTube, Rockets with Roosh. Anywhere you get your podcast, type in Noble and Roosh Show. Uh, we we interview NBA players, beat writers, that sort of thing. Um, and go to my Twitter. There's the graphic for this Saturday. Rockets watch party, Rockets versus Pistons, Cade Cunningham, part Doe, although Jalen Green probably will not be playing, unfortunately. Um, giving away 10 pairs of free lower bowl tickets to the Rockets New Year's Eve game. Come scoop, 11 in the morning, big city wings in Edo. Holla at you, boy. All right, Roosh. Always a pleasure talking hoops with you, my guy. Likewise. Williams. <laughs> Williams out. And now I shut him off so he can't talk anymore. <laughs> With that, that's going to be the end of our episode for today. As always, hopefully you enjoyed our conversation with Roosh Williams. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. If you haven't done so, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also check us out on YouTube. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Hit subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. But for today's episode, that's going to be it. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.